0: Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier.
1: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why it's useful to review our one-word themes for the year, and I'll talk to author Michael Pollan about his fascinating new book, This Is Your Mind on Plants. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm back in New York City from Kansas City, and joining me today from L.A., but not for long, is my sister Elizabeth Kraft.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., but Gretch, I'm Tomorrow, back to Puerto Rico where we're shooting Fantasy Island. So you and I are actually recording early this week because I'm going to be on a plane during our usual recording time. So I'm bummed to say I'm going to miss out on the Michael Pollan interview. You're going to do that without me. So I'll just listen like, um, you know, a listener to that.
1: (laughs) But, you know, listen, it struck me. This is the first time in six years more than six years when we've had to split up like this, which is kind of astonishing if you think about it.
0: It is. And, you know, of course, I had planned everything around not splitting up. Yes. But then things changed, as they often do in television. And suddenly I had to go to Puerto Rico um, sooner. And there were only certain flights, et cetera, et cetera. So it is what it is. But yes, hopefully it'll be another six years before we have to split up like that again.
1: Yes. Well, that's why it's good that we're a team, like you and your writing partner, Sarah. It's handy sometimes. Um, And before we launch in, we wanted to remind everybody that next week we will be talking to author Michelle Zauner, also musician Michelle Zauner of Japanese Breakfast, about her outstanding memoir, Crying in H Mart. So if you're going to do a last-minute read, now is the time, because next week we'll be talking to her.
0: Yes. Very gripping memoir.
1: Yeah, very, and a very compelling quick read, too, so yes. um, I think a person could read it quickly. Yes. Now, this week, our Try This at Home tip is to review your one-word theme for the year. Now, last week, we re- we reviewed our 21 for 21 lists, and so this is also, okay, we're at the midway point of the year. It's time to look back.
0: Yes. And should we remind people of some of our past themes, yeah. Gretchen? <laughs> yes. We've got great themes, yes. Yours have been upgrade, bigger, lighten up. Yeah. Repurpose, delegate, growth. And this one was great. Infrastructure.
1: Yeah, boring but important.
0: (laughs) And some of my past choices have included free time, style, Hot Wheels. That was back before I had a car and I needed a car. Yeah. Novel, home, control, the number six... Yeah, in- intriguing. ...and
1: lighter. Yeah. And I think the one-word theme is particularly creative and thought-provoking. I mean, don't you, Elizabeth? Like, it's really fun to pick. Like, when you pick novel, you picked it to have both meanings yes. of novel. Yes. A novel, a book, and novel, doing something new and challenging. Like, people come up with really interesting terms.
0: Yes. And I never tire of hearing people's one word (laughs) themes and the thought behind them. I mean, I could just listen to that all day.
1: No, no. Like last week, the listener who picked wildfire, I was like, oh my gosh, what a compelling word. Yes. Now, but of course the trick, once you choose this word, no matter how carefully you pick it, is to keep it in your mind because it's so often, you know, you have these big epiphanies and you forget it. Yeah. So people have used screensavers, passwords, dog tags, jewelry, vision boards, bullet journals, and so on. Very nice. Uh, our thoughtful listener, Robin, had sent you and me both bookmarks that were beautifully decorated with our themes and also our tendency. That was yes. sort of like a twofer. Yeah.
0: And Gretchen, we should mention um, that in episode 306, we talked about what word we chose and why. Yeah. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to that. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah.
1: But so here we are. We're halfway through the year. It's time to reflect, to energize ourselves, to go forward with our theme and to think about what did or didn't work for us. So Elizabeth, what is your one word theme for 2021 and how is it going so far?
0: All right, Gretchen, my word is butterfly, which is not a very me word, which is one of the reasons I liked it. Mm -hmm. And I picked it because coming out of the whole pandemic time, I wanted Mm -hmm. to really be a social butterfly. I wanted to see friends. Also, I have a cocoon, let's say, that I've um, put on myself during mm. this last year and a half and I wanted to shed my cocoon and emerge as a beautiful butterfly flitting around. Mm-hmm. I have to say, it is not going so great. Definitely have not shed the cocoon. And in terms of being a social butterfly, I have barely seen anyone. Um, you know, I've really been nosed to the grindstone on uh, yeah. Fantasy Island. Yeah. So I just haven't, been socializing. Um, I will say I happened to have one night of socializing the other night and it was like a revelation. And I realized how much I need that Mm -hmm. and how it does energize me and make me feel like totally human. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm hoping the second half of the year I can, I can get my butterfly on. Yeah. But now, but, you know, you
1: have been just working 24-7 on Fantasy Island. So you've been meeting so many people, writers, the cast, the crew, all the, you know, just this whole squad of people who are in Puerto Rico working on it. Is that not what you're talking about with your butterfly? Is that a, a different situation?
0: Yes. I mean, I love meeting everybody, and that is what I love about being a TV writer, and that is really fun, and we've had a ton of fun, um, especially with the writers. But it's just not the same as socializing without a work component.
1: Right. There's a different energy to it. A different
0: energy, yes. Now, I will say, Gretch, that my friend Mindy in Kansas City, who I talk about all the time, sent me a butterfly necklace, which Uh was so thoughtful of her, And I put on my butterfly necklace, and I am wearing it. It's like my talisman, my amulet, my charm. It's like the thing that is going to carry me through the rest of the season Mm -hmm. of Fantasy Island. So it's interesting, even though I'm not being a butterfly, my butterfly symbol is now imbued with like Mindy's cheerleading and support and caring about me. And I'm kind of just like, it's like a security blanket almost. Yeah. Well, and
1: uh, so I'll post a link in the show notes to the picture of your butterfly necklace. But the funny thing is you're wearing your butterfly necklace over your lightning bolt shirt, which is your, uh, I think, in Happier in Hollywood, you and Sarah talked about. Is that your team theme? And that's my personal symbol
0: for it's my It's your personal work.
1: symbol. We got so many of these things, we can't keep them straight.
0: And of course, Sarah gave me this shirt. So I'm oh. wearing shirt from Sarah, a necklace from Mindy. I'm just gathering all sure. of my support, and yes. I'm like... That's my cocoon right now.
1: Well, there's tokens of people's good wishes for you, but then yes. they also help you keep those ideas uppermost in your yes. mind, which, as we said, is one of the, the challenges of picking themes or doing whatever is just remembering that you even... yes.
0: <laughs> said it. I just love things like that. It yes. really, it really helps me. So
1: butterfly. I will note that Dolly Parton's personal symbol is the butterfly. So you're in good company. I'm
0: that. Hey, yes, can't yeah. do better than that company.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, Gretchen, what
0: is your word of the year?
1: Okay, so my word is open. Because whenever I think of my word open, I imagine myself like opening up my <laughs> chest wide. I'm opening myself up to new experiences. And in particular, I have been working with a lot of new people on new projects, which I'm going to like do Ooh, cliffhanger and not say what it is. Um, I've got, you know, things coming up, but I can't really talk about them yet. But as part of that, I have been working with new people in new ways. Mm. And I kind of have my way of doing things. And I have to remind myself to stay open, to stay open to people's ideas, to stay open to p- new people's way of working, even to stay open to new kinds of technology. You know, like now yeah. there's all, everybody that you meet has their own armament of tools that they use and that they want to use in a particular situation. Like I remember, Elizabeth, when you and Sarah were – Where your writing assistant was really pushing you to use Google Docs and you resisted with all your might. And then you're like, Google Docs are like the best thing that ever happened to us in our whole lives.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Sometimes, you know, you really are like, oh, I don't really need this. And then you find out, oh, wow, there's a reason that everybody's doing this. So I'm just trying to stay open to new ideas, new ways of doing things and to new people. And so that's that's my theme.
0: Well, Gretchen, I think it's interesting because um, as being an upholder, you always say one of the yes. downsides of being an upholder is that you could be rigid. So I think yes. open is a good word to counteract that tendency to be slightly rigid
1: well you know i had not thought of that but i think that's exactly right and i think part of being an upholder is i'm also a finisher like we've talked about finishers and openers and finishers really want to be able to finish everything and that can make them too conservative in what they start because Mm. they're like if i can't finish this and do a great job then i don't even want to start and 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 often that's helpful and people who are openers have the opposite problem where they're too eager to start and they don't always finish, but it can make me closed. And so you're right. It's interesting to think about why maybe open is something that's particularly useful to me as an upholder. And also, I got a necklace also. I will post Mm. a a link to that in the show notes um, that has my word on it. And I put a note um, that just says open on my bulletin board that's right next to my desk.
0: Oh, great.
1: And so I do think it's helpful to have these physical reminders. It's interesting with my book about the five senses, one of the things for touch that I'm really interested in, and, and we talked about this in our interview with Annie murphy paul about the extended mind that tangible representations of ideas are really powerful and sometimes like we need to like externalize our thoughts and our aims and having a necklace really can make it easier to follow a fairly abstract idea like staying open can can help kind of ground that in real life i think yes yes so let us know if you do try this at home, and how reviewing your one-word theme for the year worked for you. And also let us know what your theme is. As Alyssa said, we are insatiably <laughs> curious about people's themes. It is endlessly fascinating to hear from people let us know on instagram twitter facebook drop us an email at podcast at or as always you can go to the show notes for this episode and remember we're talking about the show notes online not the show notes in the podcast app those are short the longer ones with all the photos and stuff are at happiercast.com slash three 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 for everything related to this episode and Elizabeth, just side note on a, on a happy note I think episode 333 three, three is a very auspicious number. 33s. Yes. Three I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's our lucky
0: number. Yes, 333. Three, three. Onward. Coming up, we have a happiness hack that will help you stay cool on hot summer nights. But first this break. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Gretchen, it's time for this week's happiness hack. Yes, Elsa, this is a hack, and I realize it's also like
1: a little bonus gold star for you because yeah. you actually gave me the idea for this. I mean, and again, this is in the, the family of things that are so obvious. Why is anybody <laughs> pointing them out? And yet still it helps. So in the summer, it gets very hot. Let me just be the first to note that. <laughs> but somehow Jamie and I keep our same cover on our bed which is basically we have like a, a a duvet which is like the decorative duvet that we don't actually use at night except I use it sometimes when because I often am extremely cold like painfully cold when I get into bed I don't know why so I will put everything on top of me hmm. until I warm up but then when we're just sleeping normally we have this duvet that we use that's it's like a down blanket that we use winter and summer, and mm. in the summer we get really, really hot. But I don't like to sleep without a blanket. I can't sleep in just a sheet for some reason. It makes me like feel uncomfortable. So I spend the whole time tossing it off and putting it back on and being overheated. And then I remembered you saying casually years ago, "You're like, oh, I, we were really hot at night, and then Adam went out and bought like a light blanket, and we sleep under a light blanket." And I thought. We could do that. We yes. could also buy a light blanket that would satisfy my need to have something a little bit heavy on me. And yet, not be the same as being under a down comforter that is proper for like the, the deepest part of winter.
0: Yes, it was a revelation to me that there are different weights of comforters (laughs) and that you don't have to have a heavy comforter. And I would have gone the rest of my life with the heavy comforter. But Adam is the type of person who went out and got a lighter one and switched it out. And it's so much better. And we actually ended up using it year round. I mean, we are in LA where it never gets that cold, Yeah, but it makes a huge difference. And why is it?
1: It's interesting. Maybe this is you and me both that we're just like, it is what it is. Yeah. Life life has, has has you know roll the dice and this is the blanket to which you are fated <laughs> and if it's a little bit hot then so be it and we never think like is there an option here? I mean identify the problem. My goodness. I know. So anyway, thank you for giving me that idea years ago. It's only <laughs> it finally occurred to me. I could do that too. I yes. could I I could go out. You have the power. Maybe it's part of being an underbuyer. I just never think of, like, maybe there's, maybe yes. there's something, a product for that. Anyway, for sure. Yeah. So thank you for that. And now by the magic of technology, we are going to fast forward to the next day. Elizabeth right now is flying to Puerto Rico from Los Angeles, and I get to interview author Michael Pollan. I am a huge and longtime fan of the work of author and journalist Michael Pollan. He writes about the places where the human and natural worlds intersect, on our plates, in our farms and gardens, and in our minds. He's the author of many best-selling books, including How to Change Your Mind, Cooked, In Defense of Food and Eater's Manifesto, The Omnivore's Dilemma, the Botany of Desire, also a book that I love, Second Nature, also a place of my own. And I have to say that I was so inspired by the format of his book, Food Rules, that it really inspired the structure of my book, Outer Order, Inner Calm. Michael Pollan's new book is called This Is Your Mind on Plants. He dives deep into three plant drugs, opium, caffeine, and mescaline, and explores our relationship to them, how we're drawn to them and also are deeply suspicious of them. Michael, hi. It's so great to have you talking today.
2: Thank you, Gretchen. Very good to be here.
1: Now, I have to say, I am a huge fan of all of your books, and I was reflecting on them and thinking about how you so often write about plants, and for the very first time, I have to confess, it struck me that your name is Pollen. (laughs) That's spelled like the plant pollen. And there is a somewhat controversial theory called nominative determinism, That suggests that people are more likely to follow a profession if their name suggests it, like a baker becomes a pastry chef. I'm sure this question has occurred to you. Do you think you were drawn to plants because of your Uh, name?
2: I think I was destined to write about plants. You know, this came up when I published a book called The Botany of Desire, which was very much about plant desires and our desires. And people um, started giving me uh, aptonyms. They're also called aptonyms.
1: Mm. Oh, because they're so apt. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: apt names. And I had uh, collected several hundred of them. And it's amazing how often, especially among uh, doctors, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) Dr. Payne, you know, (laughs) um, and dentists, they all have some very interesting aptonyms. I mean, it you know, it makes sense. I mean, my sisters, you know, though, I've, there are a bunch of other pollens that are not particularly interested right. in plants. Um, but maybe it predisposed me in a certain way. Um, but I'm very happy to, to carry that name, even though the spelling is a little different than the uh, than the substance bees-like.
1: But the deeper question is really, like, what did draw you to this? Because I have to say, it's your work that really has made me think about how plants have had such a profound, essential relationship to the to human culture, human world, has this always been something, or have you been drawn deeper into it as you, as you researched it more you got more and more interested in it?
2: It actually began when I was a kid, mm. a little kid. Um, I had a grandfather on the maternal side named Max Stoller who uh, had, had a passion for gardening. Uh, he had come here as an immigrant from Russia in 1917. He sold produce from a cart, mm. uh, baked potatoes from a cart uh, in Hempstead, Long Island. And and then got into the produce business and then real estate. And he had a garden that was my favorite place in the world to visit oh. when I was eight years old, 10 years old.
1: Yeah.
2: And the whole discovery of these things of great value, these gifts of nature called ripe vegetables, ripe fruit, was just so astonishing to me. And I started gardening following him uh, when I was eight. And so the, the love of plants goes way back and this sense of wonder at mm-hmm. what they give us and how they work, and, and how different they are from us. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been evolving even longer than we have. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, as, they're more sophisticated than we are by certain measures. Um, they're geniuses of, of biochemistry, for example. Yeah. Since they can't move, uh, they have to figure out clever other techniques to defend themselves and attract animals to them to get these animals to do their work. So, yeah, this goes way back, but it's gotten deeper and deeper as I've explored. Uh, and and my writing really began in the garden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I began writing essays about what was happening in my garden, and that gradually evolved into writing about agriculture and, and food uh, and then um, drugs. Since mm-hmm. one of the most astonishing things plants do is manufacture chemicals that have the specific power mm-hmm. of unlocking neurotransmitters in, in human brains
1: well and so okay I this is such an obvious question but I just have to ask it um, because in this is your mind on plants you write about three mind-altering substances derived from plants opium caffeine and mescaline which was your favorite one to write about and why
2: oh well interestingly enough it was uh, caffeine interesting um, this is this is a a drug that most of us don't even think about as a drug. 90% of humans on this planet have a daily relationship to it. A mm. great number of us are dependent on I
1: it. I am certainly right there. My whole family, huge coffee drinkers. We're Swedish. i drinking which...
2: it right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah, the Swedes have a wonderful coffee culture. I've been to Stockholm and participated. Um, and and it's such a curious thing because it's in it's in the background of our lives. We don't even think about it. But most of us, to achieve a kind of baseline state of normal mm. consciousness, must have a cup of coffee every day. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, we don't feel ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's an astonishing statement. It means ourselves is caffeinated. Mm-hmm. And it is the default consciousness for most people, uh, certainly in the West.
1: Well, and you point out that it's one of the few drugs that we willingly give to children, often in the form yes. of um, soft drinks. Yeah.
2: Uh, that is also an astounding fact that we allow soda companies to add caffeine to a drink designed for children. Mm. Um, why are we doing that? Well, it makes them like it more. It, it and it eventually hooks them. Uh, and that that is allowed. The coffee. If you if you ask the soda companies, they'll say, "Why you know why are you doing this?" They'll say, "Oh, it's the flavor. It gives a bitter note mm. to uh, you know to the soda." But that's uh, very hard to believe. But six of the t- the six leading brands of soda all contain caffeine, about the equivalent of a cup of tea. It's not a huge amount of caffeine, but it's you know, it creates this drive. This uh, it's called a reinforcer
0: mm-hmm. in
2: in drug research. That anything you have with a desirable drug, mm-hmm. alcohol and scotch, caffeine and soda, will eventually teach you to like that flavor and prefer it over others. And this goes on, not just in our species, but it was recently discovered that bees mm. also like to get buzzed. Um,
1: <laughs> and, From caffeine.
2: And on caffeine. And that plants that produce small amounts of caffeine in their nectar are preferred by bees. Bees are more likely to remember that flower, that species of flower, and return to it repeatedly if that flower is offering them a tiny dose of caffeine. So it's a very powerful chemical.
1: Well, I mean, I knew about obviously the power of caffeine, but I was astonished by the fact that 90% of people will have some form of caffeine regularly, because that's just, if you're talking about the whole world doing something, that is just an extraordinarily pervasive human practice.
2: Yes, it is. And, And when you think that this is really two plants, right? Figured this out. Mm-hmm. Figured out, you know, I'm talking about coffee plant, of course, and the tea plant. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the main sources. Oh, there's a little caffeine and chocolate and a couple other things, mm-hmm. cola nuts and things like that. But basically, coffee and tea, when they stumbled on this strategy for world domination, which is to <laughs> say of addicting human beings, this led humans to spread these plants all over the world. To take care of them to give it some of our most precious land and and attention so these plants that evolved in one little small corner of the world are now straddling the whole world because of this strategy so from an evolutionary point of view it's been absolutely brilliant
1: well, and this is one of the things, I think it was in Botany of Desire that you said, like, we think we're cultivating corn, but it's actually corn has very cleverly got us cultivating it. Like, we are at the beck and call of corn and like doing everything we can to help. Corn. I, lo- I just, I love the bird, the plant side view of the world, right?
2: Yeah, that was yeah. the subtitle of that yeah. book, A Plants I View yeah. of the World. And and in all my work, you know, I mean, I've read Darwin. I understand yeah. evolution is, is, involves, co-evolution involves yeah. two species. They're both gaining something and yeah. they're both manipulating one another. And that, yes, we are working for the plants. Yes. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's not a bad thing. Um, right. But the idea that we domesticate plants and we we manipulate them, they're manipulating us too.
1: It's interesting. Well, and then, I mean, a fundamental question, in this is your mind on plants, is why are humans so drawn to plants that change our consciousness? And is this truly universal? I mean, you're talking about opium, masculine. These were very familiar to us. Is this universal, as universal as caffeine suggests that it is? Is there any culture at all that just does not do this or that permits everything? Because in our culture, some, as you point out, perhaps even arbitrarily are considered bad and some are considered permissible or even encouraged. Like, does any, is there any culture that's just like, fine, whatever, do what you want, like ingest anything you want?
2: Most, well, first of all, to answer your first question first, um, the one exception to the rule that which is that uh cultures universally mm. use a plant or a fungus a mushroom to change consciousness are the Inuit mm. These are the Eskimos uh mm. of Greenland for example and uh and the only reason they don't is nothing psychoactive grows where they live. Um, so it's not a lack of desire for this. They just don't have the option. I don't know if they have other ways of changing consciousness because there are many ways to change consciousness, but the rest of the world, uh, you know, when they survey cultures looking for these plants that are used to transcend everyday normal consciousness, they find that it is universal mm-hmm. in general, most cultures, I don't know of one where everything goes, mm-hmm. um, I, I can't think of an example like that. In general, and and this is one of the interesting things about this, um, that there are some ways to change consciousness that are promoted by the society as conducive to order and its and whatever its goals are. And caffeine would fall into that mm-hmm. category for most cultures because caffeine makes us better workers.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, why else would there be coffee breaks? I mean, think about the idea that your employer Uh, gives you a drug, caffeine, and then gives you time, paid time, in which to enjoy it. (laughs) Now, who's benefiting from that? I mean, I think we can guess. Uh, but, But caffeine makes you a better worker, more efficient, more accurate, better memory, better focus. And then there are drugs that are usually taboo. And it differs from culture to culture. So opiates in our culture are generally taboo, unless a doctor is prescribing mm-hmm. them, um, and, you know, as a painkiller. But in the Arab world, people sip poppy tea, which is a mild version of opium, at funerals, and it's mm-hmm. and it's accepted. Coffee actually had very in various cultures was condemned, and mm-hmm. and there were attempts to ban it, never successful. Charles II was felt very threatened by the kind of political conversation going on in the coffee houses of London. So he tried to ban coffee, but everybody just ignored him mm. and went on drinking it and <laughs> he backed off. But you have these interesting moments, and, and and psychedelics are a very interesting example because they are illegal. They're they're Schedule One substances, which means have no accepted use in society they're regarded as very disruptive and have been since the 60s when they did disrupt things Um, but they're undergoing a change of identity right now Mm. as we're discovering their value as a um as a tool for psychotherapy Mm -hmm. Uh, and that psychedelic research which this was the subject of my last book how to change your mind is has proven very helpful in dealing with uh, depression anxiety ocd an addiction. Um, mm. So I think we're moving to a time where psychedelics will be accepted because they're encouraging the successful, smooth working of society mm. instead of uh, getting in the way. Mm. So these, these criteria, what makes one accepted, one is taboo, are constantly changing mm-hmm. with the needs of society.
1: Interesting. Well, this is so fascinating. Um, but before you go, I want to ask you if you have a try this at home suggestion for listeners.
2: I do. Uh, and it's based on something I tried at home. And that is to, <laughs> if you if you are in a, a dependent relation or a habitual relation with something like caffeine,
1: mm-hmm.
2: try getting off it for a little while. Um, now you, you did
1: this. How did, did it did go, this, Michael,
2: for It book? was really hard, yeah, I have to <laughs> you say. You write
1: about this it, very convincingly. Giving up caffeine
2: cold turkey, which is not the easiest way to do it, it's probably the hardest way to do it, was really hard. I, I did not feel myself for several months. I could not write for about a month. Uh, I had a week of feeling like I had ADD, you know, attention deficit disorder. Um, and it and it's what made me realize that caffeinated is the normal state of my consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and guess what, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm not saying this is, you know, we tend to moralize addiction. Um, but if it doesn't, isn't a detriment to your health which caffeine is not Uh, there there's evidence that coffee and tea are actually very good for your health and you have a steady supply and it's not interfering with your life there's nothing wrong with it and Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons i got off it though is to understand my relationship to it and that's what's missing for most of us we don't realize the role it's playing in our lives and only in a period of abstention will tell you that and the great benefit of that period of abstention is when you get back on, that uh, is just fantastic. <laughs> the first cup after this period of abstention was just one of my most memorable mornings. It was so wonderful and so euphoric, and I got so much done. And, and that, too, helped me understand uh, the power of this drug, that I would have, would have been invisible to me without right. this, this kind of Lent-like period.
1: Right. You uh, awakened your appreciation for it anew. Without
2: doubt. And, and, it, and it awakened my appreciation to what a powerful and useful drug it is.
1: Well, Michael, thank you so much. Again, as I say, I'm such a huge fan of all your work. So it's been just a delight to get to talk to you sort of face-to-face, the, uh, sort the, of. the, tech, the tech version of face-to-face. So thanks so much.
2: Thank you, Gretchen. It was a great pleasure.
1: Coming up, we'll be talking about demerits and gold stars. And both the demerit and the gold star are
0: related to Kansas City. But first, this break. Gretch, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut mm-hmm. butter sandwich <laughs> is my ideal lunch. But I'm very aware of my carb intake. So oftentimes I avoid sandwiches Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby empty calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories. Plus, it has protein and fiber. I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven.
1: Hero Bread tastes great, has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use Happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small, and when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Gretchen, when I started my career, therapy really helped me work through all of my stresses so that I was able to concentrate at work and do a good job. and it Yay. is time for Demerits <laughs> and Gold Stars. Yes. You are up this week with a happiness demerit.
1: Yes. Well, Kansas City, I was just in our, our beloved hometown of Kansas City. And one of my favorite things in Kansas City is to go to Loose Park, which is a beautiful park that's well within walking distance of our parents' apartment. And, and you can see it from their window. And it has a beautiful rose garden, like a famous rose garden around a fountain. And it's got stone walls and everything. And we didn't visit it. Mm. You know, every time I go to Kansas City, I think, oh, we're going to have days and days and days. We'll have all this open time. Of course, we'll have time for every single thing. And usually, like when I'm there at Christmas, I make a very careful list to make sure that we don't forget something. And this trip, it did rain a lot. So we weren't outside Mm. as much as we usually are. But there were periods when it was not raining, and it just it just slipped my mind until the night before we were going to leave. I was like, I kept thinking that we would go. Oh well, maybe that'd be a fun thing to do tomorrow, and then we just never got to it. And usually, I visited in August, yeah. and I was really excited to see what um, the rose garden would look like in this different season, and we just didn't go.
0: Uh, well, maybe Mom and Dad can send you photos.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah,
0: we did go to Kaufman
1: Garden, which is gorgeous. Good. But anyway, so the lesson from this demerit is to make a list mm. so you don't overlook something important.
0: Um, but Elizabeth, what is your gold star? Okay, Gretch. my gold star, also Kansas City related, is to mom and dad mm. because I was supposed to go to Kansas City with Jack and Adam. Um, I should have been there now, actually. I right. was planning we, to Right. You were going to
1: record from there. We talked about it.
0: Yes. From the laundry room. You were... Yeah. <laughs> You were going to make your
1: own fort. Yeah.
0: And uh, my work has just become so intense um, that I, I just, I had to push the trip. And mom and dad, as I knew they would be, were yeah. so understanding. Yeah. They completely get it. It was so comforting to know that when I told them that they would be just completely understanding and cool yeah. about it, which they were. I am going to go in August, so I I can see the Rose Garden in August. <laughs> you
1: can send me photos,
0: but anyway, I am disappointed. But you know, I mean, it's it is what it is. Like yeah. I, ha- I have to get this job done. So, yeah. gold star to mom and dad for just being great as always. Yes, and I will go in August. Well, and the
1: thing is, they didn't only respond that way. You knew they would respond that way.
0: Yes, I did. So
1: you were very very disappointed. I mean, we talked about it. You were very very disappointed because you'd been really really looking forward to it, and you you knew they'd be disappointed. But you knew that they would
0: understand. And that made a very
1: unpleasant decision, less unpleasant for you. Yes. Yes. Gold star.
0: Gold star, mom and dad.
1: And the resources for this week, if you are looking for new books to read, if you're reading 21 and 21 and need some good books to read, you can follow me on Goodreads. Um, You can check the hashtag Gretchen Rubin Reads for my weekly photo of what I read that week, or every month I write a blog post where I share a quick description or response to every book I read that month. Um, I've heard from many listeners who said that they will often read a book because I sort of highlight it, which is so fun. Also, each week I send out an email with five things that are making me happier, along with questions for readers and listeners, links to new blog posts and listicles, quotations I'm pondering, all that stuff, updates. Um, And you can join for free to get the weekly newsletter at GretchenRubin.com slash newsletter. Also, open... I have worked on a brand new design. It looks much, much nicer. And I worked with a fantastic bunch of people to do that. And so I was open to a new approach to the newsletter. And I'm so excited about it. So check it out. What we're reading, Elizabeth, what are you reading?
0: I am still listening to The Housewives, The Real Story Behind The Real Housewives by Brian Moylan. How about you? I'm reading Crossing the Chasm
1: by Jeffrey Moore. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Review your one-word theme for 2021. Or if you haven't chosen a one-word theme yet, choose one now. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. And let us know, what is your one-word
0: theme? We are dying to know. Thanks to our guest, Michael Pollan. You can read his book, This Is Your Mind on Plants. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And
1: I've said it once, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way for people to hear about our show, and it is such a huge help to us. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Croft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. Elizabeth, you know, butterfly is your symbol, but there's a lot of butterfly uh, stuff in the world. And now every time I'm like walking through a paper store or whatever, I have to really hold myself back from buying you like every doodad with a butterfly on it. I know, (laughs) me
0: too, because remember, it's only for 2021, then it's something new. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you gotta pace yourself. From the Onward Project.
0: not just a house. This is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.